baby I'd get down on my knees for you break out in song with us. I know you know those words. A little quiz for those who are 30 and younger. Who's the group that did that song? Who said that? You are good, and I think you're younger than 30. <laughs> Somebody in first service said, Righteous Brothers. And I was like, you're older than 30. You cheated. What year did that come out? Close, 65, 1965, Rice Brothers. Now, I thought you only find people that can sing in that high a pitch on American Idol. I didn't know they did that on shows back then. That song has been remixed and remade and covered by many. There's a famous one of Elvis doing the song. Used in movies, we were getting warmed up and getting ready before first service. And we started playing that. One of the guys in the band said, I know that movie from Top, or that song from Top Gun. You recall, that's probably what really helped make it famous was the Top Gun movie. Probably one of the most famous times it was used. You go to weddings, what song do they play? They play that song, everyone starts singing along, having fun with it. That song about feelings and emotions is what I want to talk about today. Not that song, but about our feelings, about our emotions. Our feelings and our emotions come from God. And through the years, in the centuries, there has been writings and songs and all kinds of stuff dealing with our feelings or dealing with our emotions. We've been on this journey called Transform, 50 Days of Transformation. Trying to look at seven specific areas of our lives where God wants to do a work in us this year and maybe even to future years to help us transform and grow and to change. We've talked about our spiritual health, and we talked about our physical health and mental health. Today I want to deal with emotional health, or our emotions, our feelings. That's what the week's going to be on. Today we want to look at how do you deal with how you feel. Last week we talked about how to manage your mind or your thoughts. This week we're going to talk about managing 
our emotions. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about emotions, mostly hanging out in different passages in the book of Psalm. But let me start with Mark 12. Mark 12, I think, is an emotional passage. Maybe it's not one that we think of typically as being a passage of emotion. But Jesus says the most important commandment is this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. Do you understand there's emotion in that passage? I, I think there's a ton of emotion. Jesus is saying, love me with all that you are. Love me with everything that you possibly can give. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. He's saying, this is an emotional relationship that we have. Now, for guys in here, you're probably going, oh my goodness, can I go home? Didn't know the preachers were going to get all touchy-feely on us today. Truth is, we have emotions and we have feelings. It just depends on where you want to put them, Matt. See, if, I had, if this verse had said, you must love your favorite football team, or you must love your favorite basketball team, or your favorite singer, or your favorite actor with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your strength, what kind of imagery then comes to mind? So we have emotions, guys. We have them. Where are they directed at? What are they going towards? How are you handling them? How are you going to act at the game or the concert movie? Would, 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 you, would people think you were a little bit radical if you really let your emotion about God out? Been around some people who say, well, I can't watch that basketball game or that football game with other people. Why? Well, I get a little emotional. I'd rather do that in my own house. I wish that was our story about Jesus. I don't know, man. I get kind of emotional. I say, I was observing. I like to observe sometimes during worship. And the first song was talking about uh, raising your hands in worship. I lift my hands to you, and, and, and we were mostly like this. Or we were holding our cup of coffee, and some were like this. There's a reason why some of the songs are written. Lift your hands to God. It's about emotion. There's some emotional relationship with God. The Psalms guide us in that, and it's okay. God is saying, I want you to have an emotional relationship with you where you throw everything you have into it. And God even at times has mentioned He doesn't like it or He kind of complains, so to speak, when people don't put their emotion. He says these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Have you ever seen somebody do that? You ever seen somebody be engaged in some kind of activity and, and they say the right things or they do the right things, but you can just tell how their heart's really not in it? And God's actually nailing some, some religious people saying, oh, they speak this God language, they speak this relationship, but truth be told, their hearts are far from me. God wants us to be emotionally involved in a relationship with Him. And so this week, as you dive into your studies and you dive into your, your transformed book and you go into your small group, a lot of it's going to be based on your emotional relationship, your connection with God. As we talk about this, let's begin this week by understanding a few things about our emotions. Let me give you some facts. First of all, God has emotions. We tend to not want to think that way, but God is an emotional God. Can you imagine all the emotions He went through on Palm Sunday and that week leading up to His death? I imagine... 
As the week begins, he's happy to see the large number of people who are welcoming him to the city. He was thankful for the praises of the people. I could see that he would probably be, uh, have an emotion of disappointment when the Pharisees could not see what was taking place. I think he was probably angry at the religious leaders who wanted to silence the crowd. I think he was sad because the people didn't understand their true need for a Savior. I think he cried because he knew the destruction the Roman army would inflict on some of the people there. He felt rejection because he knew the cross was still just less than a week away. And you think about just that one week that is just approaching here very soon for us at the end of March. There was a lot of emotions that Jesus went through because God has emotions. The only reason that you and I have emotions is because we are made in the image of God. And your emotions, whatever they are you experience, whatever you're dealing with, they come because that's how God made you. Number two, I want you to understand is that your ability to feel is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. They may not always seem that way. You may think, well, Brian, if you saw me yesterday in my emotional outburst, how is that a gift from God? Think about the negative ones, because God can use them to show you your need for Him. God can take your emotions and say, okay, you have that, now you see why you need me, because emotions are a great asset. They're the one thing that, that make us human. I mean, if you don't have emotions, you would just be a robot. Could you imagine being married to a robot with no emotions? Some of you are like, that'd be great. Dink, 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 dink. House is clean. Things are put away. Dinner's been made. You know, let's move on. No, if you, if you don't have emotions, I mean, you're like, going to be like a robot. It's, it is your emotional ability that allows you to love and allows you to create and be faithful and loyal and kind and generous and all the emotions that are attached to the good things of life. And in Genesis 1-26, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now it's an important thing to catch in this passage when it says, let us. Wait a minute, we're in chapter 1 of the Bible. Genesis 1, and there's this word, us. Who's this us that we're talking about? Let us make man in our image. The us is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit because they're all there in the beginning. And so he says, let us make man in our image. We're made in the image of God, in the image of Jesus. And you see the character of Jesus, see the emotion of Jesus. We have those kind of emotions. So it's a blessing, it's a gift from God. Thirdly, I want you to understand that God gave us the book of Psalm in order to understand our emotions. If you have a hard time with some emotions in your life, you need to spend a lot of time in the book of Psalm and reading through the various Psalms and know that emotion is not something new. The good ones and the bad ones. The positive ones and the negative ones. Whatever you're dealing with today, today may be great and tomorrow may be emotional, swing the other way. Whatever you're dealing with, it's mentioned in the book of Psalms. Psalm 47.1 says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. And then you look over just a few more chapters of Psalm 55, and it says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. You ever been through those emotions? Anguish and terror and fear and horror? I'm sure you have. That's part of being human. And David wrestles with these emotions, and we see them throughout the book of Psalms. You read some of those Psalms, you think, why is this chapter in the Bible? It's there to teach you about the positives and about the negatives of emotion. It's there to show you that we're emotional people. And here's a story of one person, David, walking through how did he deal with this 
thing of having an emotional life. So we're going to look today about how to deal with how you feel. It's important for us to learn how to deal with managing our emotions and how to deal with unwanted devotion. Let me tell you why you must learn to manage emotions. First of all, because my feelings are often unreliable. Your feelings will become very unreliable. Our feelings, they can lead us in the wrong direction. How many times have you thought, well, I know this is the right thing to do. I feel it in my gut. I know it's going to work out. And you go on down that road and you look back and go, oh my goodness, why did I do that? Because it felt right. That's many times why teenage pregnancy happens. Oh, this feels so good. And then a baby is made. Emotions have given people motives for doing things even though the emotion and feelings are not true. We've had the feeling... That this person may be a great friend and it's not long before they're stabbing you in the back. We've had a feeling that, that this time we're going to win. I remember that doing sports. This time is going to win. We're going to get off the, the eggnog of not winning. And then all of a sudden you lose again. You, you probably experienced the feelings that, that, that of intuition. And you go, well, I feel like this intuition is right. And then you find out it's wrong or your emotions lead you down, down a blind alley. And you cannot depend on everything you feel. Our feelings lead us down some dangerous paths. Last week I said you don't have to believe everything you think. I want you to hear this this morning. You don't have to accept everything you feel. You don't have to accept everything you feel because not everything you feel is right. Not everything you feel is reality. Some of the things you feel about yourself, you think about yourself, are deadly wrong. And some of the things you think and feel about other people, they're absolutely wrong as well. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. Sometimes we think or we feel, well, this is the right way, and it doesn't align with God's Word, it's going to lead to death. Your emotions, they're not infallible. They will fail you. And just because you feel it doesn't necessarily make it true. Our feelings are often wrong and guide us in the wrong direction. Why must I learn to manage my emotions? Secondly, because I don't want to be manipulated. We live in a world that wants to manipulate our emotions. See, if you don't control your emotions, they will control you and your moods will be manipulated. If you're always guided by your feelings, then you're going to probably reject the truth of the Word of God because you feel as though something else is more noble or just more loving. If you're always guided by your feelings, other people are going to take advantage of you. In fact, salesmen and advertisers are trained in how to stir up your emotions because they know if they can get you emotionally hooked, you're going to buy the product. Let me give you a tip. Next time you're going to go buy a car and a salesman says, hey, you want to take it for a ride and sit down? You better not take it for a ride and sit down unless you know you're ready to buy. Why are they doing that? They want you to get behind the wheel and get emotionally connected to that expensive four-wheel vehicle. They want you to smell it and feel it and think, and then when you get out of there, buy it. All the advertising, it all plays on your emotions. The color of packaging, the music that is played inside stores, the commercials and the things that are said in presentation, they're all designed to get you emotionally involved to the point saying, I want one. Sign me up on a dotted line. Give me the credit card. I want to buy it. That's what they try to get you to do. You ever been down that road? You ever make decisions based on impulse, buying stuff that you really don't need? Has anybody ever done that? You ever bought something you don't need? 
Yeah, if we're honest, we all have. And then you get home, and you're like, why did I buy that? Or you get home, you're like, honey, i got to tell you something I bought. And she's like, what did you do? <laughs> We've all had those kind of crazy purchases at times. Proverbs 25, 28, I love this. New American Bible says, like an open city with no defenses is a person with no check on his feelings. The New Living Translation says a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. See, in the days when Proverbs were written, a city was guarded by its walls. It was protected to keep the enemy out. Otherwise, the enemy could just rush into the city and take over whatever they wanted. And so it's saying, not only are you defenseless against manipulation of other people, but you're defenseless against the manipulation of your old nature. And your old nature wants to rear its head up and it wants to play mind games and emotional games and feeling games on you to get you to go back into your old way even though you received or accepted Christ. Your old nature will use your feelings to turn you inside out. It'll convince you you deserve whatever you feel like having and it'll convince you to ignore the Word of God. The sinful nature in me can cause the best feelings against me and against the Word of God. We have people feeling as though Jesus was not loving when it comes to the area of marriage because the Bible clearly instructs that marriage is between a man and a woman. But in our culture today, we're saying, well, that doesn't feel so loving. That doesn't feel so kind. And if a woman loves a woman or a man loves a man, how can we ignore their feelings? And our feelings have allowed our laws to be changed in our culture. And it's understandable when we just allow feelings to direct us. But we're supposed to be directed by the Word of God. Jesus said to the lady who was caught in adultery, He basically said, I understand. You've been following your feelings and that's why you have been caught in adultery and have had adulterous relationships with several men. Jesus didn't say, oh honey, I'm sorry that your feelings have led you that way and because you feel like doing that and you feel like it's good to have a relationship with several men. He said to her, honey, this is not good for you and so I want you to stop what you're doing and now go and sin no more. Amen. He addressed the feelings. Worst of all, I think it's Satan. His favorite tool in your life is negative emotions. He'll use fear to keep you in bondage. He'll use resentment and jealousy and envy to get you off track of the will of God. He'll use bitterness and worry and anxiety and shame to keep you from growing in Christ. He'll use discouragement to keep you from going to God in prayer. And if you don't know how to manage your emotions, you are helpless against Satan because he wreaks havoc in our lives and he's looking to destroy us. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you don't have self-control, he'll eat you up. That word devour means to be shred to pieces. That's what Satan's wanting to do in your life and my life. And he wants to play on our emotions. He wants to play on our feelings. He wants to use those against us. Well, I feel like this is a good thing. We're going to talk about how we measure that. Number three, why do we not keep our emotions in check? Is because I want to please God. God cannot be God in my life if emotions are God in my life. God can't rule my life if emotions rule my life. Jesus can't be Lord of your life if your emotions are Lord of your life. If I make all the decisions based on how I feel, then I've made my feelings my God. 
Look at Romans 8. It says to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life. What do you want today? What do you want transformation in? Do you want to have a transformed mind? Or do you want to continue the same path maybe you're down that says, oh, I'm not desiring life and peace. I'm going to choose death because that's what you're choosing. See, controlled by the human nature results in death. Controlled by the Spirit results in peace. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. And we follow our feelings. It takes us down a road of death. So you can't please God if your emotions dominate your life and are running your life and decisions are based on how I feel and what does God's Word say. So how do I manage unwanted feelings? You have some feelings, you're like, man, I don't like getting angry. I don't like getting upset. I don't like that I have this passion or this desire I know to honor God. How do I do that? How do I manage them? The first thing you have to do, you have to name it. You have to know what it is. You have to know what kind of emotion you're dealing with. You must name it. What is your actual feeling? If you don't know what the problem is, then you can't work on it, and you surely can't talk to God about it. And so it's kind of like washing a dirty car. You know, you can go out there in a the parking lot, you take your car home today, it's a beautiful sunny day, and some of you today might say, you know what, I'm going to get that car cleaned up. It's had a lot of dirt and salt on it. You go home and wash it and clean it all up, but if there's no gasoline, the car's not going anywhere. And sometimes that's what we do with our lives. We say, well, let's clean up the outside. Let's make sure I look good. Let's make sure I've lost a little bit of weight. Let's make sure I've worked out. Let's make sure my hair looks good. Let's make sure I've done all this stuff on the outside. We're fixing that. And God's saying, I want to fix what's on the inside. And i got to tell you, if you allow God to fix what's on the inside, then the outside will be gorgeous to Him. Psalm 55.2 says, My thoughts are restless and I'm confused. That's what David said. David said, my thoughts are restless. Have you ever been confused? You ever wondered, what am I thinking? Why, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? Why am I behaving this way? There's a lot of times our feelings can be confusing. To become an emotional strong man or emotionally strong woman, you need to ask these two questions. First, what am I really feeling? Ask the question, what am I really feeling? That's the first question. What's really going on? What I mean by that is you need to scratch beneath the surface. Because what you're feeling sometimes is just surface things. Sometimes you may be thinking, well, I'm kind of down today. I'm feeling a little bit depressed today. And you're thinking, I'm discouraged. You may think, well, my feeling is depression, but really what's happening beyond it? What's led to that? Why are you feeling down or blue? Did you receive some, some information from your doctor that was not so good? Did you have a, a hard day at work? Did you lose your job? Are certain things going on in your life that's leading you to some thoughts that now you're not feeling good about yourself and who you are, which then leading you down a path of depression. But a lot of times what you think you're feeling is not what's going on. You've got to ask the question, why am I really feeling? Maybe it's irritation. You ever had a situation where you've been at work all day long and you come home and about five minutes after you're in the door, you and your wife are in a fight? You ever had that happen? And you stop and go, why am I doing this? Why am I getting upset at her when realistically you're thinking, I'm so mad at you. But really what happened was something throughout the day happened. The stress of the day happened. The, the, the negative emotions of the day happened. You bring them home, and where do you release them? You release them on your spouse. That's called transference. And sometimes we've got to stop and say, what am I really feeling? The other question is, what are my triggers? What's triggering this emotion? What's making me think this? If I were to ask you to name the emotion that gives you the most trouble in your life, would you be able to name it? Would you be able to name what is your trigger? If you don't, then, then maybe you don't know yourself quite as well as you think you do. You, you have certain emotional triggers or responses 
have certain things. Sometimes it's triggering to be sight. You see something and it may be, oh, that makes me feel really good. Or you see something you're like, oh, that brings some really negative thoughts in my mind. Sometimes the trigger can, can be a, a taste. You taste a certain food and it brings you back to time when you grew up and you had this certain experience with food. Sometimes the trigger can be something that you hear. Sometimes the trigger can be something that you touch or how someone touches you and it takes you back to a different time which causes an emotion or causes a feeling inside of you. Sometimes good and sometimes bad. So you have to understand what triggers the emotions inside of me. You have to identify the problem before you can really overcome it. Otherwise, you'll keep telling yourself everything is fine when maybe it's not. The second thing you do is you've got to challenge it. You've got to challenge your feelings. Don't just accept them. Sometimes challenge your feeling. Is this true? Challenge your feeling. You don't just automatically accept. You don't automatically assume just because I feel this, it's truth. You need to correct it as you challenge it. Are things really as bad as they feel? Probably not. Are things as really good as they feel? Probably not. So you need to ask yourself some questions as you challenge it. God knows what you're feeling even when you don't know it. And it's good to say to God, God, I'm feeling this right now. Help me understand what's going on inside of me. Say, God, I don't know what I'm feeling. God, I don't know why I'm feeling. God, I've got these weird feelings. God, I've got these confused feelings. That's what David did in Psalm 26.2. He said, Lord, cross-examine me. Test my motives and my affections. Search my heart and know me, God, is what he was saying. Show me what's wrong in me. What are your affections? What are your emotions? And so as you challenge it, I'd encourage you to think about your emotions and challenge them with God walking alongside and saying, God, what's going on inside of me? But also, I'd encourage you to challenge your emotions with a partner. All of us need a friend. It's probably not going to be the best place in a small group. You might in a small group, but there's probably too many people in your small group. But everyone needs a friend. A lady, a lady, a man to man, who you can go to and say, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling. And they're not yes people. They're not the person who says yes in your life all the time. They're the person who will say, are you sure about that? They're the person who says, ah, come on, get over yourself. I have my accountability partner and I get together once a month and sometimes I want to skip. Because you'll ask, well, what are you thinking about this? Or what are you feeling about that? What about the church? What about this? And I'll start asking that. And I know he's not going to put his arm around me and say, oh, Brian, you poor little baby. He usually will say, well, have you thought about this side of it? He'll usually say, well, have you talked to the Holy Spirit about it? He'll say something along the lines of, you need to grow up if that needs to be said. All of us need a person in our life that we can go and wrestle through our thinking, our emotions, our feelings, and say, hey, here's what's going on. Job had that. In Job 15.12, Alphaza, Job's friend, says, why has your heart carried you away and why do, you, why do your eyes flash? Now for us, we go, what is he saying? That's a poetic way of saying, how come you run off the deep end and why are you so angry? That's what his friend was asking. His friend was saying, why have you gotten off the deep end? Why are you so mad, Job? And so he had a friend to go through that journey of emotions with him who challenged. Let me give you some questions to ask about your emotions when you're trying to challenge them between you and God and also with your friends. Ask the question, what's the real reason I'm feeling this? This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's you're hooked on into something that maybe your dad said to you years and years ago and now your husband just said it and you just lost it on your husband. And it could be going back to something that happened in your relationship or vice versa. Your wife or your husband or 
something your mom has said. Number two, ask, is it true? Is what I'm feeling right now, is it true? There's a point where Elijah in the Bible gets down, he gets discouraged, he gets depressed, and he comes to God basically saying and complaining, saying, God, I'm the only one in the entire nation of Israel left serving you. And God challenges and basically says, are you kidding me? Elijah, you think you're the only one? He says, I have all these people who are serving me. What are you acting like this for? He's telling him, you're basically crazy. Stop trying to change the entire world and, and worry about them. That's not true. There's a lot of people who are serving me. And so sometimes we need to ask the question, is it true? Third question to consider when you're trying to challenge your emotion is what I'm feeling helping or hurting me. Sometimes this is the simplest thing to do to change an emotion. Simply saying, is what I'm feeling right now going to help me get what I want, or is it actually going to hinder me from getting what I want? In other words, will I get what I want if I continue to feel this way, if I continue to act this way? A lot of feelings we have feel natural, but they are actually, actually are self-defeating. So you ask yourself, is this emotion actually getting me where I want to go? So you ask yourself, I know I'm frustrated right now, but is it really worth it in my life expressing this frustration? It's kind of interesting whenever we're going to preach on a sermon how the things happened in my own life. We had one yesterday. I was driving here on Greendale Road. I was getting so frustrated with slow driving. I was like, oh, what's going on? I verbally said out loud, okay, Brian, change your emotion and be patient. Because I wanted to run in their back in and get them out of the way. <laughs> We've all felt that sometimes behind the wheel, don't we? You've got to manage your emotions. You've got to, you've got to name it. You've got to know, what am I feeling? You've got to challenge it. You've got to know what's the real reason for this that is going on. And then you've got to tame it. And you can tame it by either changing it or channeling it. You determine what your mood is and you determine how long you're going to last. I had that conversation sometimes in my home with my children. You have a choice. Am I going to be mad or am I not going to be mad? Am I going to be upset? Am I not going to be upset? Some emotions are so destructive and so damaging and so hurtful and so non-effective that the only thing you can do is change it and say, God, I need your help to change this and change it now. Amen. Philippians 2.5 says your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus. Your attitude. That includes your emotions. What you're feeling should be the same as that of your Lord Jesus. So you ask yourself, how would Jesus feel in this situation? And I know it's old school, but several years ago the bracelets came out and the t-shirts came out, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That is real. Amen. I mean, would Jesus get irritated at the waitress who's trying her best and she's running a little slow? Would she get all mad about that? Would Jesus get mad that the food wasn't prepared just right and be mean and rude to that waiter or waitress? Would Jesus start yelling at the person on the telephone or the customer service person who you're trying to deal with? Would He start yelling at them and start using foul language with them and getting all angry with them over the phone? Or would He be patient and kind and deal with them patiently in a loving way? So you let go of those emotions that are damaging and say, Lord, change them in me. Now sometimes you need to channel what you're feeling. See, sometimes you can take a negative emotion, something that's been hurtful, something that is difficult, instead of changing it, you channel it. You, you look to a different direction. What does that mean? You use it for good. For instance, let's say you feel your child has been the victim of some injustice because of the school system. 
Now, you have a choice. You can get all mad and angry about that. You can put that on on Facebook and Twitter and email it to all your friends and say, my teachers are so horrible and terrible and the school system is so bad, da-da-da, and put all your anger out there. I would suggest not to do that. Or you can say, you know, I'm really frustrated and angry, and you can, in a civil way, go and sit down with the principal of the school and say, I'm kind of upset this is going on. Can we make a change? And then maybe volunteer for a board at the school and get involved in changing something at school because then you channel your anger to something positive and your injustice towards your child may be happening towards other children, and you may help other children not receive that same injustice. Does that make sense? So you take something that is bothering you really bad and getting you really upset, and you say, I'm not going to get all upset about it. I'm going to go get involved and try to make it better. You know, that's true in the church too. I didn't say that first service, but it just now hit me. just now thought about it. Sometimes in the church we can get that way. We get all upset. Well, the church does things this way. The preacher said this. They do it this way. I don't understand it. And we can grumble and complain maybe within our small group or amongst our friends or amongst the ministry team we're serving in versus going and saying, you know what? Let's go sit down and have healthy conversation. Let's see how we can take a frustration or anger that we're upset about and make God's church better. And you work through it together and you talk it out as God's Word guides us to do. So you take a negative emotion, anger, and when you use it, anger for... For yourself, it's called selfish anger. That's sin. Use anger and you channel it, then that's a positive anger because the Bible doesn't, it doesn't have a problem if you get angry. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. So there are some things that are worth getting angry about, but then you don't sin in it by gossiping and blasting and being negative and attacking. You say, God, I'm angry. I'm upset. Help me go and change. Help me go and work in this situation. Let me give you another example. Some of you wanted to be married in your life. And it just hasn't happened yet. Your love, so to speak, has been blocked. And Satan's using that emotion against you. Some of you are married and you wanted to have children and you're not able to have children and Satan is using that emotion against you because, again, your love has been blocked. What do you do when love has been blocked? When you desire to be married, when you desire to have children, what do you do with that? Do you let it eat at you and cause resentment in you and cause a negative spirit in you and create an attitude in you that people don't want to be around with you because you're not a very loving person? Or do you change it and say, God, right now you've not allowed marriage to happen in my life. I don't totally understand why that is, God, but I still want to love people and show me who needs the love of God that I can show to. Maybe it's having children. You're like, God, I'm not able to have any kids, and we want to so bad, and you're desiring to share your love with children. Well, I can tell you, there's 137 million orphans in this world that love to have you open their doors and say, let me show you. I can show you love. And you say, well, I don't know about adopting an orphan. Let me just tell you, there's a bunch of kids probably running around in the neighborhood you live on. Instead of being upset about the kids in the neighborhood that maybe make a mess or do this or do that, what about going out and cooking some hot dogs, providing some popsicles, getting out the kickball and just loving some kids in your neighborhood? And saying, God, you haven't blessed me with them in my home yet, but I'll love the children that I can possibly be a blessing to and love. You rechannel that blocked love. Does that make sense? You take a herd of yours and you rechannel it. What pain in your life are you using for good? Maybe you've been in so much pain you haven't even talked about it. Then you need to learn to manage your emotions. You need to name it. You need to challenge it. And then you need to channel it if you're not going to change it and use it for good. God can use it in your life. 
I'll tell you, the greatest ministry could come out of your deepest pain. The greatest ministry will not come out of your greatest successes because most of the time your greatest successes, people look at it and say, well, good for you. But when you take your pain, you've dealt with going through a divorce. You've dealt with the loss of a spouse. You've dealt with the loss of a child. You've dealt with battling cancer. You've dealt with overcoming negative emotions. You've dealt with dealing with an addiction. When you've gone through those pains, you learn how to put Christ in the middle of it. God has great ministry planned for you. If you're willing to say, God, use that for your kingdom. How do you tame a wild emotion? It's not by power. Zechariah understood how. Zechariah said, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's not by willpower, it's by the Spirit's power. Let me close this morning with quickly giving you three actions to live by His Spirit. Three actions to live by His Spirit. First of all, every day ask God to fill you with His Spirit. Every single day, before you get out of bed, before your feet hit the floor, before you touch the ground, for you to be laying in bed and to pray, Holy Spirit, fill me today. I need your Spirit in my life because it's not by my might or by my power or my willpower, but by your Spirit that I'm going to be able to manage my moods and my emotions for today. And I hope you get the theme that is going on in this whole seven-week journey that whether you're dealing with your spiritual health or your physical health or your mental health or you're dealing with your emotional health it starts with how you begin your day and when you begin your day with god that's how you will live your day you've got to begin with god holy spirit take over my life galatians 5 22 and 23 says when the holy spirit controls our lives he he will produce this kind of fruit in us love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control That's what He does in us. That's what He produces in us. The more I let God control my mind and my emotions, the more He has control. It says the Holy Spirit controls our life. When you are filled with the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control versus instead of following my emotions in the way of the world, being filled with anger and worry and fear and guilt and shame and all the other things that come along with it. The choice is ours, church. The choice is, do I want to walk in the Spirit or do I want to walk in my old nature? Do I want to walk in God's way or do I want to walk in the ways of the world? So what are you going to do about it? See, when you're at pressure at work or at home or anywhere else, i got to tell you, what's inside of you is what will come out of you. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you're at work and things get stressful and difficult, then love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, those things come out of you. But if you're not filled with the Spirit, then selfishness and greed and anger and strife, that's what comes out of you. So what's inside of you? What's going to come out? The first key to managing your emotion is to be filled with the Spirit. Secondly, this is one we probably don't want to hear, to manage your emotion is to ask God to help me manage my mouth. Ask God to help me manage my mouth every day when you get up to ask God, God, fill me with your spirit, and God, help me manage what comes out of my mouth. So get up in the morning and say, Lord, put a mouth guard on. Lord, help me to zip it. Lord, help me know when to, to, to close my mouth. The Bible says in a multitude of words, there is sin. Proverbs 13.3 says, self-control means controlling the tongue. The book of James, the Bible says the tongue is like a rudder on a big ship. 
A little tiny rudder that can control a big old ship going in the ocean. He says, that's what your tongue is like. It's like a rudder. It can take control of your life. It can take control of who you are and what you're saying and what you're doing. And in James, it even says, be quick to listen. It means open your ears and be slow to speak. Slow to speak. What's going on with your tongue? See, what happens is when we open our mouth and we allow our mouth to get going, then our emotions get out of control. And so you say, Lord, help me manage my mouth. Lord, help me to practice closing my mouth and not speaking until it's gone through the filter of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to say, I think I need to say, but do I need to say or should I say? And you have that kind of conversation with Him so that whatever you do say is seasoned with gentleness and kindness and love, and it honors God. To tame my emotions, to ask God to be filled with the Spirit, ask God to help manage your emotions. And here's the last key. Every day, make God's Word my Word. Every single day to make God's Word my Word. That's why the Transform Devotional books, there's 40 days in a row. We're encouraging you to take that 5, 10, 15 minutes to spend the time in it. You're reading it. You're in God's Word. My hope is that it's driving you to this book right here to say, oh, I want to learn more about that verse. I just read that. I'm going to go to that chapter. I'm going to open up. I want to read. I want to see what all is going on. I want to understand it. And that you get a hunger for God's Word. Psalm 119.11 says this, I have hidden your Word in my heart. That's where your emotions come from. I have hidden your Word in, your heart, in my heart that I may not sin against you. If you don't put this in your heart, then you don't have anything to battle against temptations. Psalm 19.14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You notice the connection between your heart and your mouth? What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. You fill yourself with this, this will start coming out. If you wonder, why does anger come out of me so much? Why does frustration come out of me? Why does is, why is negative thoughts come out of me? Why does shortness come out of me? Why, if you're dealing with, why do I feel like I'm kind of an ugly person to people? Stop and just look at it and go, am I putting God's Word in my life. Got a bitter heart. Maybe you got a worried heart, got an angry heart, you've got a lonely heart, maybe it's a prideful heart, maybe it's an arrogant heart, maybe it's a jealous heart, maybe it's an envious heart. Maybe you need to pray and say, God, give me a heart transplant. Give me a heart transplant. That heart transplant happens as daily you cry out to God, fill me with your spirit. Control my mouth, God. Help me to shut my mouth. And then, God, give your words inside of me so that I speak your words. If you get nothing out of this series, I hope you're getting, as we go through seven weeks of talking about specific areas of transformation, I hope you're understanding if you are desiring for God to do some transforming work in your life, it all starts by daily being in this Word right here. Daily. Not just once in a while. You would not dare say, well, today I had a good breakfast of oatmeal and not eat breakfast or not eat lunch or dinner for the rest of the week. And you know as you have balanced meals in your own life throughout the day and every single day, you know you're a more healthy person. It's the same with God's Word. To be in it on a regular basis. When you say to God, say, God, fill me with your Spirit. When you say to God, God, put a new heart inside of me. When you say to God, God, I want my words to be your words. God, you direct my life. He'll start doing a transformation in you and start transforming all of your emotions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you have made us
people with emotions. Thank you, you created us in your image. And so, Father, we get a chance to experience, to experience the highs of joy and happiness and love. And Lord, we also get the experience of sadness and sorrow and stress and resentment and all the other emotions. Father, help us in this journey to be transformed in our area of emotions. Help our emotions to align with You and Your will and Your kingdom. Help our emotions, Lord, to honor You in all that we do and all that we say. Father, I stop and think about the emotions of Jesus. As I mentioned this, His last week of going to the cross. The emotion of love that He had for us, but also the emotion of pain and anguish that He dealt with. The emotion of sorrow He dealt with, but also the emotion of excitement to know that I'm doing something that's going to give people a path back to God for eternity. Father, we lay our emotions at, at Your feet this morning. And this week, Lord, would You do a work in us as we get in Your Word daily? Do a work in us, Lord, as we go to small group. Do a work in us, Lord, as we open Your Scriptures. Father, change us, transform our mind. Renew us. Renew our mind. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.